I want to say a few words of introduction of uh, Pam Watkins, the pastor at Oak Grove, and also I want us to share some moments together in prayer. Uh, I I feel certain that all of you have had the opportunity to meet Pam. Pam uh, became pastor at Oak Grove in June of 2010. I've got that right. This is our second year, and Pam, we're glad to have you not only at Oak Grove but as a member of our community. Uh, She is an ordained elder in the North Carolina Conference of the United Methodist Church. She is a native North Carolinian. Uh, She worked in the business world for 29 years in cancer research at Duke, uh, North Carolina Memorial Hospital at Chapel Hill, and also the Burroughs Welcome and Glaxo Welcome Company. Uh, She entered Duke Seminary in 2001 and graduated in 2005. She served as a trauma chaplain at Memorial Hospital in Chapel Hill for a year and then served the Bisco Boscombe charge uh, of the United Methodist Church in Montgomery County before she came to Roxborough. Pam, it's been a privilege to know you and and continue uh, a relationship as a brother and sister in Christ and also as fellow servants of sister churches. And uh, we appreciate so very much Oak Grove and its family and any other churches that are represented here today. This morning, I think it's very appropriate that you and I just share some times of prayer. And I want us to have a time of silent prayer. Um, Again, please understand me saying this in a very humble and simple way. You know, so often we just take for granted what God has done for us. And um, it's so easy to do that with Easter. I'm sure all of us have got a busy day planned. And I'll be honest with you, I'm looking forward to hunting Easter eggs with Ella this afternoon. Um, but, you know, we, we serve a living God. And um, he loves each one of us so very much. I'm grateful that we as churches have the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he lived, he died, he was buried, and he rose again. And we can share that with our children, our grandchildren. And I pray that we'll be faithful in doing that. I pray that this will be a day of celebration. This will be a service of celebration. So this morning, if you hadn't had time in the rush to get here, to thank him for not only being raised from the dead, but thank him for dying on the cross (coughs) for us. Would we do that now? Let's pray together. Father, in these moments, remind us of what your Son has done for us. And Lord, may this truly be a service of celebration, not just one day, but Lord, may it remind us that every single day that your Son is alive and that not only does he dwell within us, but he walks with us. I thank you that He is the good shepherd, and I pray that we will truly listen to his voice and follow him. I pray that you will continue to bless our churches and each member. Lord, I thank you that we can come together not as Baptist or Methodist or other denominations that might be here, but we can come together as a family of God. Lord, I thank you for our communities 
Lord, we are just blessed to have such good neighbors and friends and co-workers. Lord, help us that we'll work together for your kingdom. Help us, Lord, that we will be lights in a dark world. Help our churches to be strong. Lord, give us humility so that we would allow Christ to be seen in us. And Father, even today, remind us that death and sin and hell itself has been defeated by your Son. And so help us, Lord, to live in victory. I thank you, Lord, for Pam, and as she comes to lead us in just a few moments, I pray that you'll bless and speak through her. I thank you, Father, for the words of the songs that we've already sung and for the special music that we'll hear now. And, Lord, truly bless these moments that we're in your house this day. And, Lord, even as we're gathered here, if any should drive by that do not yet know you as Savior, remind them not simply because we are at church, but remind them because you love them that your son died for them too. And may they soon know that Jesus is risen indeed. Bless us in these moments, for we pray in your son's name. Amen.
beautiful. Thank you, my goodness. Good morning. Now I look out and I see a, maybe a few Easter bonnets out there. I remember when I was a child, every woman had to wear an Easter bonnet on Easter morning. I still see a couple out there that look very nice. Somewhere recently, I read these words. We are not people of the cross. We are people of the empty tomb. Amen. And when I saw that, I wondered, I said, but don't we think of ourselves as people of the cross? I mean, we wear crosses around our necks. We, we hang crosses on the walls in our, in our homes, in our churches, in our Sunday school classes. Some folks even hang a cross from the rearview mirror of their car. And yet still others might put a cross on, on their bodies, a tattoo, in some very curious and interesting places, I might say. <laughs> I guess it's not so much the cross itself, but what the cross symbolizes that we revere, isn't it? It's not so much those two pieces of wood cobbled together. It's more about what happened on that wood some 2,000 years ago on that dark Friday afternoon. It's that earth-shaking, world-transforming battle between good and evil, between God and death. That mighty struggle that took place deep within the bleeding heart of Jesus. That's why we think of ourselves as people of the cross. We claim that battle is our own. And we are the people who claim Jesus Christ is our own. And so we wear a cross because the battle was won and the victory is ours. Amen? Amen. But I wonder, what would it be like if we think of ourselves from this day forward, not only as people of the cross, but as, as people of the empty tomb? as resurrection people, as transformed people, how would that look? How would we portray that identity for the world to see? I've only recently started seeing jewelry that looks like or tries to look like a, an empty tomb. They're not quite there yet, folks. Mostly they look like a little rock, a little stone with a dent in it. I've seen them. They're awkward looking. They're clunky looking. They're, they're, they're not sleek and smooth and aesthetically pleasing like those two pieces of wood that cross each other, perpendicular to each other in that divine ratio of width versus height that is so particularly proportional and perfect. Now for the resurrection, what we have besides sorry, Easter eggs and butterflies is we have the image of a rock with a dent in it. And what's that? How do we make that pretty? More importantly, how do we make it meaningful so that we can carry that Easter with us every day, not, not just Good Friday? For that matter, how do we turn an ancient instrument of horror and torture into something pretty? When did we see the need to put rhinestones and even diamonds on silver and gold? Since when do we need to dress up our crosses? Do we do it because we don't want to think about the blood, about the pain, about the suffering? 
that is represented by that true cross? Seems to me we might want to reconsider our, our bling aesthetic. Because to be people of the empty tomb here on this beautiful Easter morning, to be resurrection people today and every day from now on, means that we are people that Jesus not only died for, it means that we are the people for whom he arose from the dead and he now lives for. Amen? Yes, death was defeated on the cross and life was affirmed at the entrance to the empty tomb. Life was affirmed. Now, don't get me wrong. It is wonderful to proclaim to someone who is bereft of hope to say to them, Jesus died for you. But I'm here to proclaim the truth that it is equally wonderful to say to that very same person, Jesus lives for you right now, this very moment. You see, we can choose to be people of the resurrection, people of life, because our Savior lives. He lives today. What would that look like, friends? If we started saying we are people of the life, the resurrection people of the life represented by our Lord who lives today, what would that mean? Maybe it would mean that we can stop fighting and bickering with each other over denominational or political or ideological or racial or national differences. Maybe it would mean that we can work together for positive change in the world instead of spending so much time defending our own straw castles of certitude. Maybe it would mean that we can join together to help the least, the last, and the lost to live better, healthier, more productive lives instead of casting suspicion on every hand that is held out in need. Maybe it means that we can create a community right here where justice rolls down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Blogger Bruce Epperly wondered about in Mark 16, verses 1 through 8, where, where the women who came to the tomb asked the question, who will roll the stone away for us? He says there's many stones that stand in the way of our futures, and we can't roll them away alone. We need help. We need a quantum leap of energy, he says, inspiration, grace, and love, the sort of resurrection that can only emerge in a faithful community, attentive to God's transforming presence, to the living Christ. Now, I want to tell you that we at Oak Grove witnessed a resurrection of sorts the other day. We worked together to push aside a big stone. You see, several months ago, God spoke in a way that God tends to speak to God's people, us church folks. You know, somebody might say, I have an idea. And we listen to them, and sometimes in that idea, we hear God speaking to us. And so one day, God spoke to some of us who were in a Bible study, and God said that we have hungry people in this part of Person County, this area just right around and north off Theresa, 
the rural area that some folks might call Cepho, and then on up to Samora, and all that, that rural area away from town, what we've taken to calling the Northwest Quadrant. In other words, our neighbors, our community. And God said to us, feed them. Well, we heard that call, and we got busy. And uh, a few weeks ago, one of the last Friday of March, we opened the doors of the new community food pantry at Oak Grove. Now, listen, we had no idea how many people were going to come, were going to show up. Some of us went over to Rougemont, you know, on, on the main highway out here on, on, on the main drag in Rougemont, the Methodist Church. They opened a food pantry a few months ago. And we went over there to look at that, and they said the first day they were open, eight souls came through the door. So we thought, well, we'll be bold. We'll, we'll prepare for 25. You know what they say, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Well, let me tell you, God had the last laugh that evening. God showed us what it means to be resurrection people on that evening. Because those bags prepared for 25 households were gone in the first 10 minutes that we opened the doors. By the end of the two hours, our shelves were virtually bare. And what happened that evening over there at Oak Grove was that life came through the door. Jesus came through that door, risen from the tomb 2,000 years ago, and still he's walking on this earth. He's still hungry. He is still thirsty. He is still seeking justice. He is still telling us, calling us, commanding us. To hear his call to serve life, to serve the living, to celebrate Easter and resurrection and life-giving, stone-rolling transformation every day. And so, friends, this is my invitation to all of us today to be rolling some stones away from this day on. I mean, here at Theresa, you all have been rolling stones away for a long time. You know, I mean, God just loves that in you and all that you were doing with your mission trips I hear about and this wonderful preschool you've got going on here and well, even the blood mobile. I believe it was here yesterday, wasn't it? Something. Okay, I saw somebody out there with a the sign then. I thought, I thought I saw somebody coming out the door like that. So. <laughs> it's next week. So many good works you do here locally for this community and, and further out. But the message from the empty tomb and the message for all of us, for Oak Grove and Th Theresa, is that there is more to do. And we need to be working together to make it happen. And my invitation to all here this morning is to keep rolling new stones away. Keep serving life in new opportunities that abound. New opportunities like the, the, the Backpack Pals program that is feeding hungry children in our schools. Or serving at the Christian Help Center. Keep doing that where families are going to, to find support for this difficult journey that they are on. Or maybe we can work together over at Oak Grove and, and offering the non-perishable food to our neighbors. Because, friends, a week ago Friday, we served 50 households. And that's a household whether it's one person, two people, or seven people. God confirmed our vision, and next month there will surely be more. We have no idea 
where this is going to lead us. And we're a little frightened. All we know is that God is in charge and that we will follow because this is about life and this is about the risen Lord. Now, clearly, there's plenty of work to go around. Lots of hands and hearts are needed to do this resurrection, sunrise, life-affirming, life-celebrating, life-giving work. So however we choose to do it, I call on everyone here this morning, let us claim the empty tomb. Let us roll the stones away for those without the strength to push. Let us share together. Together, friends, in this Easter incarnational resurrection life. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.